This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candice. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I thought we were empowering an informed electorate. In In the the city city of destiny. Hi, Candace. So today we talked to Christina Walker, who is running for the at-large position eight on the city council. She is a policy wonk with a lot of knowledge about transit and transit-oriented development. Transit and transit-oriented development. Yes. Uh, it, there's so much of it that I, that I repeated you. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot. <laughs> She's also a flautist. Ooh. Hello. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma. We're here with Christina Walker. Hi, Christina. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. So you're running for position eight on the city council? Yep, the at-large seat. The at-large seat. One of the at-large seats, I should say. Right, the open at-large seat. Yep. So being vacated by Councilman Ryan Mello. Yep. Um, So cool. Welcome. This is installment four of our many episodes on candidate interviews this year. So excited to have you. Uh, Christina, tell us about yourself. Yeah, so um, I moved to Tacoma in 1998. I grew up in Minnesota. I uh, came out here to go to PLU and never left. Nice. Um, There's I, a lot of Minnesota people. There are a lot of Minnesotans. <laughs> I actually doorbelled a woman last week who had a t-shirt on that said, Loons, Lakes, Lefsa. And I was like, Minnesota. Oh, <laughs> I <yeah>. got you. <laughs> Lake Wobegon. <laughs> um, so yeah, I came out from Minnesota, never left. Actually recruited my folks out here and my sister. So nice. we're Washingtonians now. Um, went to PLU, did a quick uh, stint abroad in Copenhagen. Um, and then my husband and I lived in uh Prague in the Czech Republic for a year or two. But other than that, been in Tacoma ever since, although Parkland, I guess, technically is not Tacoma. So if anybody's getting me on a technicality, 16 years in Tacoma. <laughs> Someone will. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but I uh, came out to go to PLU, never left, and and just kind of fell in love with the city. I started working in um, the nonprofit industry right away. I worked for um, Tacoma Symphony, now Symphony Tacoma, wow. um, for my first couple years, uh, and then moved into more public sector things. I worked for um, BCRA um, on uh, architecture projects, doing marketing for them, and then uh, worked for a uh, outreach, public outreach firm for five years um, before I started at my current job at Downtown on the Go. So um, have had a little bit of public-private experience, but always focused on um, getting people involved in their community, really. Cool. Well, yeah, what did you study at PLU? Communications. Okay. Yeah. And um, I did a minor in music, so I was really involved in in music, and that's how I got involved in the Tacoma Symphony. What instrument do you play? I play the flute. Wow. And I still occasionally do. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So we had Deanna Keller on Monday, and she's running for the port, and Mm -hmm. she plays clarinet. Oh, no way. (laughs) And played for the Tacoma Symphony back when she was in college. Yeah. That's that's really funny. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I never played for the Tacoma Symphony, but I played all through college, so. Cool. Yeah, yeah, still something that brings me brings me joy. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, tell us about Downtown on the Go. What do you guys do? 
Yeah, so Downtown on the Go is a nonprofit. Um, we're the, we call ourselves the Transportation Advocate and Resource for Downtown Tacoma. Uh, in a nutshell, we do we promote walking, biking, and transit. So we kind of split our work into two sides. Um, Half of it being uh, education, outreach. A lot of people have been on our Walk Tacoma events, really just kind of feel-good events that get people out walking in downtown Tacoma, learning about their city, feet on the street, walking by local businesses. Um, we do a bike ride with city council. We do um, uh, bus rides. We did a bus ride with Rhubarb this year to <laughs> Cheney Stadium. That was maybe the highlight. Um, we've, we've also ridden the bus with Derek Kilmer and Mayor Woodards, and Rhubarb took the cake. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but did he talk? Like, can he do and no. did he just dance the whole time? Yeah. Like... <laughs> and we got great pictures of him with his Orca card, and it was really fun. So he came with his handler. Uh, his handler. <laughs> his handler. His reindeer handler. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so a lot of the stuff we do is really uh, about just getting people the experience walking, biking, taking transit. The other side is the advocacy work and the policy work that's promoting um, more transit service, better sidewalks, um, more bike lanes, making it easier to get around the city, and really highlighting the conversation around um, how the city was built, who it's built for, and whose voices are at the table. Um, so we do a fair amount of grassroots advocacy building, um, doing um, speak up trainings that is, you know, you have something to say about how you get around the city. Where, where do you want to make your voice heard? City Council? Okay, we've got... Um, the where, the when, and what bus to get you there. Um, you got something about parks? Let me tell you where the Parks Commission meets. Um, Pierce Transit Board. You know, it's as an average person, you don't know where all those things are and even that they're different entities, right? We have two different transit agencies operating in the city. Three, actually, if you um, – and you definitely should count uh, community transit from Olympia. So mm -hmm. at any rate, um, it's very overwhelming to people. And so we, we do a lot of that kind of grassroots growing, and then we do direct work with – Council and um, primarily city council because we're downtown focused, but we do some regional work and we certainly do some work in Olympia uh, during session to make sure that the state policies align um, with what we're trying to do locally. Mm -hmm. um, so developing relationships with um, folks in Olympia, uh, both at the staff level and um, the elected leaders too. Cool. So, so yeah. why is it important to know, like you said, who built the city and who it was built for? Mm, yeah. Um, well, I think it's really important to understand our history. Uh, number one, um, we did a forum this year talking about uh, redlining in the city and how transit and transportation is impacted by that. Um, and not to get too deep in the weeds, um, Jacques Cologne at the city has a great presentation on um, on the impacts of redlining, but essentially um, the racist policies that told people of color, particularly black families, where they could um, buy homes. Mm -hmm. And then you see the transit and transportation investments, and they're right along those lines. And mm -hmm. so we've invested more in white neighborhoods than in black neighborhoods. So that as a, a starting point, and then um, looking at who the decision makers are, um, mm -hmm. who's on the council, um, who's on the boards and commissions that are making the decisions, um, and working to change that. So making sure that folks um, 
have all the information they need, if they want to speak up, and if they um, have something to say, encouraging folks and helping train them, maybe, you know, top three talking points, things like that, that mm-hmm. maybe are just that simple. And I mean, you've been to city council, mm-hmm. it's intimidating the first time you go, right? You walk in there, you're like, this is not a space for everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, really, we, we go in a group <laughs> when we do the trainings. And so people can start to feel comfortable. And I think the more people that do it, the more people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's so important that that every day um people in the city are welcome there and and make their voices heard absolutely so um you also said something about uh people like feet on the street walking by businesses the importance of that what how does that change someone's perspective of a city or their city yeah i mean uh this is i think is really foundational to who i am as a person but what we do at downtown on the go is really um you experience a city differently when you walk it and you experience a a city differently if you bike um, or skateboard or scoot or any other mode of transportation that's outside of your car. Um, you see businesses more, um, so you're more likely to stop into local businesses. Um, I can't tell you the number of stories over the last eight years at Downtown Go of people that have said, I finally rode my bike to work and I had no idea that this thing happened in my neighborhood and it's so great. And, you know, it's like the literal stop and smell the flowers kind of thing. <laughs> it just, it, you know, it feels good. Um, so, and when it comes to businesses and local businesses in particular, sort of those small shops, when you're speeding down a road at 40 miles an hour, you don't notice the local businesses Mm -hmm. and you don't interact with people. And I think that that's so important. And there's plenty of data that shows the economic benefits to that too, in walkable cities and cities where people um, can move about uh, without cars, that the businesses do better, um, that there's more social fabric, um, Mm -hmm. people are safer, more eyes on the street. Um, So all of those things, um, really important to what we do at Downtown on the Go and, um, you know, a lot of other partners as well in making downtown just really livable, walkable, and welcoming to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, downtown on the go, when I was at the TNT, I always felt like it had a really unique spot in Tacoma's heart because it's like progressive, transit-oriented development policies, but also, you know, liked by the chamber, liked by businesses because you're trying to make it easier to get around downtown and easier to just mm-hmm. be in downtown. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting... Yeah, and I think we we um, are really proud of that unique place that we sit, that it really is that combination um, of um, advocating for what a lot of people would just call the environmental reason to take transit or ride your bike, um, but that there's really this economic value to it as mm-hmm. well. And I think that that has shaped my approach to building policy, too, is, you know, we can't do it. Uh, with just one side at the table, um, we have to we have to know both sides. Even though I know, um, especially on council, you know, you have to take sides uh, mm-hmm. on on tough issues eventually. But um, we're not going to get anything done if we're not going to listen to each other and talk to each other. And often there's a win win. And um, I'd like to think there's always a win win. But I know uh, sometimes you know you have to you have to make tough decisions. But I think what we've found with our work and my day job is that a lot of times there are places to meet in the middle. And even if, um, you know, I will argue a policy um, with the chamber that we don't get along on, there's three things that we do work mm-hmm. together on. And um, we've actually worked together on policy at the state level, too, that supports business and transit. You know, mm-hmm. so there, there are plenty of, of ways that we found win-wins. Um, and I think... Uh, exactly what you said that really um, puts us in a unique position uh, to make change mm-hmm. how so. old is downtown on the go so it depends on how you count so I've been there eight years I was the first full-time uh, employee mm-hmm. um, 
prior to that, sort of the idea of Downtown on the Go was 2008. We just celebrated 10 years of the Walk Tacoma events, and then we became an independent nonprofit in 2014. Okay. So, you know, you can kind of count it different ways. Yeah. We celebrate an anniversary every year, basically. <laughs> um, um, but 10 years of, of uh, you know, influence, I would say. Right. Yeah. So give us an example of some of those issues where, and that might come up again when you're on the, if you're on, if you're elected to the council, where you maybe didn't agree with the chamber on everything, but needed to come to some sort of resolution. Yeah. I mean, I think that those sort of economic development pieces, the quality of life, the livability pieces are really um, good examples. Um, and I've had the Economic Development Board has called us before to support um, recruiting a new business to town because they want to make sure their employees could get there with transit. So that's, um, I think, a, a good example of um, sometimes the economic development team is doing their own thing. And, and I have no idea. They're probably recruiting hundreds of businesses today to, to downtown Tacoma. But when um, businesses and employees are more and more asking for transportation options, we can come to the table um, for that piece of it. And um, the the city and the, the EDB, the chamber, they're going to work out the details of, you know, B&O tax or, or things like that, um, incentives. But um, having that, that complete package... Um, is is you know part of the solution and and that's where we've found common ground. Um, the one uh, example of the the policy we worked on at the state level is the CTR tax. It's commute trip reduction. Um, the commute trip reduction law requires businesses with more than 100 people to have a CTR program, and you know that's a government mandate. Mm-hmm. Um, and businesses don't always love that. Um, but yeah, what, what is that? What how how is that like a, a how does that put uh, kind of a strain on the businesses, and what does that really mean? Yeah, so the interesting thing that we found, so that law came into effect in 1991, um, and so what we found over the years is that most um, businesses, particularly the big, big businesses, have really found it valuable. They mm-hmm. they um, were frustrated at first, um, but then somebody like Microsoft or Seattle Children's puts millions of dollars towards employee commutes because they see the value to their bottom line, and they're able to recruit um talent mm-hmm. because they've got a great transportation program. So it, it, as new businesses come on board to that program, they sort of go through that process as well. Like uh, another government mandate, right? We have to have a program. The program's relatively simple to implement. And that's um, part of the role of the city and downtown on the go is to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is something they have to do. They have to take the survey. And so we understand that that is um a lift for businesses, but how can we make it help their bottom line? And um, most businesses eventually get to that point. What we did, um, gosh, I think it's 2016, um, we went to the state legislature with the chamber um, with um, uh, the CTR tax incentive that said, if you're going to provide bus passes to your employees, you get to um, get a tax credit towards your B&O or your nice. utility tax. So it's a win-win, right? We want to get more people on transit. Um, the businesses want a B&O tax credit anytime they can, right? So um, we we uh, worked together, and, and that was a win in Olympia. So um, I think that's a great example, too, of, you know, there are, there are points of connection here mm. on everything. Right. So. Right. Um, so, fun fact, uh, when I was a reporter at the News Tribune, I thought you and Downtown on the Go hated me and Debbie Cockrell. 
because, because we kept writing about parking. Uh, because we love talking about parking. Yeah. Well, so just for background, one of the stories was like uh, I live. I lived at the time in Stadium, and parking in there in St. Helens is getting bad and getting rough. And then the McMenamins was going to open, and I think Debbie did a story about like where are people going to park? Are they at McMenamins? Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, t- tell us about your. Talk to yeah. you about parking. Yes, let's talk about parking. Um, so I think that uh, to, to be really specific about the McMinimins, part of the frustration around that conversation was that we had spent, we as a city and particularly downtown, we spent years and years trying to recruit great businesses. People have been talking about McMinimins for you know, before I got to downtown on the go, I'm sure. Um, so, you know, five, six, seven years, we've been like, we got to get this great thing in downtown. And then it gets here and everybody's like, Ah, there's no parking. <laughs> so, you know, it's part of growth, right? And so um, framing that conversation as, yay, we've got this great new business in town. Look at how downtown is thriving and we're filling up these businesses. Um, and we were, we've been frustrated with all these vacant buildings for years and years. And to, so instead to celebrate the, the win instead mm-hmm. of the, the crunch on parking, which is absolutely true. There's a crunch on parking. Um, So it's one of those things. And I think this is happening in neighborhoods all over the city. I don't think I know this is happening in neighborhoods all over the city. People are feeling the crunch because we're feeling the growth. Mm -hmm. Um, And managing that growth in a smart way is, I think, the issue of the next four years on council is how we're going to manage growth. And part of that is managing parking. And so um, we're going to we're going to feel it. It's mm-hmm. not uh, some of it's going to be be rough. Um, our message from downtown on the ghost perspective is always look at all the great options you have. Um, and usually I hear from people who say, well, I can't walk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I have a walker or, you know, I'm 70. So isn't it great that I can walk so that that person can have a spot out front? And so I think reframing um, the conversation around how we get places um, and is the goal a parking spot for you and I, or is the goal a thriving business? And I think that most people would answer that it's a thriving business. And of course we would all love the parking spot right out in front, but only one person gets the one right out in front. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, it's it's part of growth and mm-hmm. and uh, moving around the city. And uh, I've heard frustrations, um, particularly in Proctor, too. Mm-hmm. Again, like what a great neighborhood. It's thriving. Um, but people who have been there for years are really feeling the pinch on parking. Um, so celebrating the win. Right. Mm-hmm. This is a great place to be. Everybody wants to be here. Um, but making sure that transit matches that. So that's um, both as a council member and in my day job, we want to advocate for better transit um, because you you can't take away all the parking and not add options. Right. That's that equation doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But as we take away parking and add transit, then we've got a thriving center. Um, and businesses want people, not cars, right? I mean, they understand that they need a parking lot or a parking space um, to get people there. But that's not the only way people get to businesses. And I think, um, I don't know, but I imagine Met Market is doing great with people walking <laughs> from those condos and apartments. So, um, it, it, you know, we're feeling strain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to happen. But I think uh, making sure that we're pushing on the, I keep saying this, pushing the right buttons, pulling the right lovers because <laughs> I think that is That's the role of council, speak. Right? <laughs> like <laughs> we have to make sure that we're not leaving people hanging um but that's going to take some work to advocate for transit all right yeah so. absolutely all right well let's take a real quick break and we'll be right back this is Nate Bowling, host of the nerd farmer podcast on the channel 253 network 
I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous, the service is efficient. When I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan. I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. All right, welcome back. If you're enjoying this episode of Citizen Tacoma with Christina Walker, who is a policy wonk and expert and also running for city council, um, please consider becoming a member. We need you. We love you. We implore you. It's only $4 a month or $40 a year. It's and a bargain. Cr- it's a bargain. A screaming deal. Christina's a member. I am. Uh, Doug's a member. Uh, Andrew Zipson, councilman, is a member. Councilman Ryan Mello is a member. Uh, former Mayor Marilyn Strickland is a member. Are you a member, Candace? I'm a member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a okay. member. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I promise. <laughs> anyway, it's a cool group of people you should join. All right, so we were talking about parking. And so uh, I, I now now that I'm not a reporter anymore and I'm on <laughs> like, the communication side of things, I understand the frustration when you're like, God, like we're trying so hard to do this great thing and you guys are just shitting on it. <laughs> like, but uh, so now that I, now I get that. Um, but I think the frustration also is that, I mean, I, I moved here from New York City. Mm-hmm. So really great public transportation there. Not so great bus line here, especially depending on where you want to get to. Yep. So depending. I think some people feel that the, okay, let's build all these new buildings, but not requiring them to have parking is like a little bit cart before the horse sometimes. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think that that is the question. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's maybe the chicken or the egg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we have seen on a small scale in Tacoma businesses who have stopped providing free parking to their employees, their employees take the bus. The ones that do really well, they they take away free parking and give their employees an ORCA card. Mm. Um, the businesses that provide a free parking space and an ORCA card, not very many people take it. Mm. Um, so we've seen it on an individual business scale, um, but you also see it in cities. Um, you know, New York City is a great example of transit. You can get at anywhere mm-hmm. on transit. Um, Except but, but, Red Hook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are, are cities that um, have made big investments in transit, and you see it working. Mm-hmm. Um, you see people taking it. And so it is a little bit of... Um, uh, you know, chicken or the egg, cart mm-hmm. or the horse, but you, we do have to make intentional choices. Um, people will take transit if you incentivize it, but more people will take it if you disincentivize parking and driving. That's a good point. So. Yeah, good answer. That the chicken for the egg is a, a <laughs> like a better way to say the cart before the horse, I guess, because yeah. if you if you are able to prove that if you give people that orca card and disincentivize parking, they they mm-hmm. will take the bus. All right. Um, so w- tell us about some transit-oriented downtown, you know, tra- uh, TOD, transit-oriented development policies you would fight for if you're elected. 
Yeah. So I think the biggest thing with transit-oriented development um, for me is tying that to the affordable housing action strategy. And I, um, you know, housing affordability and addressing homelessness has been top of my list since the beginning, but it's really been reinforced by everyone I've talked to at the doors or in public forums and settings and things. So, um, making sure that we are addressing housing affordability is top of my list. We can't be successful with housing affordability or implementing the affordable action or affordable housing action strategy without transit-oriented development. If we are asking, especially the lowest um, lowest income affordable housing that's being built, if we're building that without access to transit, we're asking people who have just gotten into their first home or have just gone through a personal or financial or both you know, tragedy in their life, and they've just gotten into that first apartment, we want them to be successful in paying that first rent. Mm -hmm. We're asking them to get to work without transit options. That's setting them up for failure. Mm -hmm. Um, And not to mention adding to our congestion problem, right? So we want to set people up for success, and we want to invest dollars in housing um, that's going to lead to long-term success. Um, so we need to have that conversation together. Mm-hmm. So for me, transit-oriented development connected to housing is the conversation we need to be having. Um, that being said, um, commercial transit-oriented development is also important. And we in downtown have the biggest transit hub in the city. In fact, I, th- I think somebody said it's like has the most transit option the diversity of transit options and companies is more than any in the region actually and uh, because so many of them come in there because you've got train we will have link oh well, we do have link right. local link uh, we will have link to the airport um we have olympia transit community transit we have sounder buses or sound transit buses we have fierce transit buses so um our big transit hub, and a lot is happening there right now, a lot mm-hmm. of development, um, a lot of really fun things like housing that's going in where they're not providing parking, they're providing an ORCA card to each resident, which oh, is really? really exciting. What better place to try that out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a pilot project, as I understand it, to see how that works. But um, really excited to, to see development be intentional about being there and being next to transit, right? Um, So I think things like that and building density, um, particularly in downtown, vitally important. Again, having that conversation hand in hand with with transit is absolutely vital. And uh, I've had lots of conversations about chicken or egg on this as well, right? Like, do you build the housing into the transit center? Um, And then you've got a place like the Dome District that's Tons and tons and tons of construction, particularly mm-hmm. now um, looking forward to the link um, to the airport central link coming in um, and being constructed there, too. So or do you build um, transit oriented development, build the development and and attract the transit? Um, I think you have to have the conversation together and it just doesn't work one without the other. Um, but I think that that's the Tacoma Dome area is really the obvious answer. And I think um, we should absolutely be investing there. We should be making sure that's a walkable community. Um, and I should say, too, you know, transit doesn't go without walkability. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to walk to a transit stop. Every transit rider is a pedestrian. Um, so making sure that we're investing in the walkability of the Tacoma Dome area too. It's not just a giant slab of concrete. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, 
But also there are less obvious answers, right? Like there's um, places along Pacific Avenue that are ripe for development that can benefit from the new bus rapid transit Mm -hmm. um, and exciting projects like that. You've got um, Tacoma Housing Authority investing out by TCC. um, I always say Tacoma Community College because I also work with an organization called Transportation Choices Coalition, which is also (laughs) TCC. It's very confusing. Um, But the Housing Authority investing in that area Mm -hmm. um, and really um, making that area even more dense because we know it is um, served by transit. So mm-hmm. I think you can't separate the the two conversations right. um, between development and, and transit. So one of the concerns that we hear a lot about where affordable housing goes is it doesn't go places like downtown. Mm-hmm. It goes places that are a little farther out, like further reaches. Like you don't see it in Proctor. You don't see those new developments as much in um Uh, like stadium and areas like that. Um, So how do you incentivize those that affordable housing to be in those major transit areas? Yeah, I think this is the the um, one of the main things that the council can do. We have the ability um, to build incentives around the places that we want to see these things happen. Mm -hmm. And I should say um, Tacoma Housing Authority has built a lot of affordable housing in downtown. Um, My definition of downtown includes up to MLK. So there's a a lot of, on the hillside, um, a lot of great transit. And they came out with, um, there's a great document that Tacoma Housing Authority came out with, I think last year at some point, that shows transit investments and their housing investments. And so they're 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 right on with the the transit oriented housing. Mm-hmm. Um, so really thankful for their leadership in making those things happen. Um, but I think uh, to your question, that is exactly what the council needs to do. Take a look at all of our um, development incentives and say where do we want to see people invest? We're in a hot hot market right now. Mm-hmm. This is the time to make those um incentives look like how what we want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, work with our partners and the experts who are recruiting developers to Tacoma um, to make sure that they're set up for success, that we're, we're building those incentives in a way that help them pencil the project, right. um, but that it's not arbitrary and we're not just throwing things down wherever developers see uh, see fit, you right. know, that it, that it works together with the community. Because all those um, developments that are working in tandem with the city and with the vision and the community are going to be more successful anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see um, in cities, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's a good example in Tacoma, but I've seen in other cities where you have somebody kind of drop in and drop down a development and it just feels so out of place. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to keep the character of Tacoma. Um, uh I, where did I go recently? I was like, it's a little shiny. And somebody was like, you're a true Tacoma. <laughs> it's like, we want to keep the character here. Um, I go and, to Seattle. I'm like, oh, it's so bright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we want to keep the character and we want to work with developers. It's a team. I mean, the developers that I've worked with in downtown Tacoma who care a lot about transportation, who are doing these creative things with with um, Orca Investments. Um, there's a developer on Hilltop that's actually putting electric bikes in the lobby for their um for their residents because they understand they're built on a hill. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, those developers that I've worked with are really about being part of the community, supporting the community, investing here um, because they care about the community, not that they're dropping down a project because they're they're walking away with big bucks. So Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's, we need to lean into those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I guess in the past when um, uh, I reviewed what 
projects had used the affordable housing tax incentive versus which ones had just uh, applied for and gotten the market rate housing tax incentive. Um, A lot of the affordable ones were along like Pack Ave, like seven, you know, like down kind of by Tacoma Mall and like down further south or they were in McKinley or they were in Hilltop. And at the time, I mean, this was three years ago, but at the time it was like a little frustrating because they, those weren't really transit rich places, but now Mm -hmm. with the link coming in and bus rapid Mm -hmm. transit going down Pacific Avenue, maybe that'll be, those Mm -hmm. will be, you know, real transit oriented development. Yeah. Yeah. And I think keeping those lines of communication open between Pierce Transit and the city is so important um, because there are um, not that transit has an obligation to go wherever (laughs) we want them to. But if there is a a great investment opportunity somewhere, um, could we we work towards improving that? Um, I, you know, just a note on transit, because I'm I'm always in the weeds on that is um, we need more investment in transit. They don't have the ability or the funds right now to to be dropping more lines uh, more routes anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know that, um, I always say we're a grown up city. We need grown up transit. Grown up transit doesn't end at seven o'clock right. <laughs> and there are a number of lines in downtown Tacoma that do. Um, so we're, we're going to really need to support our transit agency to make sure that we're investing, um, so that they can add more, um, and more people riding transit will mean more investment in transit. So, ha- yeah. So, yeah, is that the best way to do that? Just get try and encourage more people to ride transit, or how do we get? Yeah, that I mean, I think for the individual, that is, um, you know, at a policy level, um, they're you know they're they're tied to really only using sales tax. Mm-hmm. Um, they supplement a little bit with the fares and with federal grants, of course, um, but their main funding mechanism is is sales tax. So um, you know, outside of voting for a ballot measure that would come in the future, you or I, um, as your average Tacoma resident, can't um, do a ton except. Take transit. When people take transit, they vote for more transit. Right. Right on. So, so it's a challenge to all of us. Yeah. Ride the bus. <laughs> all right. So um, let's see. Okay. So uh, tell us about your three. We kind of touched on the the main ones, but tell us mm-hmm. about what you think are the three biggest issues facing the city. You're at large. So the mm-hmm. district, your district is the city mm-hmm. um, and what you would do to solve them, maybe beyond the the house or the transit stuff we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So I I will say again, um, housing affordability and addressing homelessness is definitely top. And I think um, in the same way that I said, you can't talk about housing without transit. I don't think you can talk about homelessness without uh, housing affordability. Mm -hmm. So I think those are really kind of tied together. Um, And as I said, I'm uh, hearing that at the doors. Every neighborhood I've door knocked in Tacoma has said something about housing affordability and or homelessness um, across the board comes up all the time. Um, I am also the wife of a teacher and have the teachers union endorsement. I'm really um, dedicated to working on education. I think that that's um, supporting um, our kids and families is really important. Um, I always want to be careful. You know, I'm not the school board. I won't be the school board. Um, How can the city council 
support educate or yeah support our education system. I think the number one thing that I have done in my day job is work on safe routes to school mm-hmm. to make sure that every um, kid can walk or bike to school. And as you might imagine, uh, there are major disparities in our community. And um, one of the things we did as a we have a regional coalition that works on transportation issues um, is look at the data across the city. Um, and the depressing stat is that um, a kid is hit every eight days by wow. while walking or biking, uh, which is in Tacoma. In Tacoma, Jesus. Are, uh, at the time that we ran this data, we were the worst in the state. Uh, which meant we got some state dollars <laughs> to yeah. support this. Um, and the team at the Puyallup Watershed Initiative and the city have done a really great job of implementing those programs. And they they used um, a really great equitable data to identify the schools that needed it most. Because every school could do better, right? Mm-hmm. Like our streets are built for cars. So, you know, every school could be better. Um, but the ones that had the most crashes, um, the uh, highest percentage of free and reduced lunches, and um, that uh, I think there's one more criteria. But they, they use this great data to identify the schools. So they really have put some investments, and a, a number of them, as you might have imagine, fought, fell on the east side. And so they spent the last mm-hmm. year working with those schools directly. So I think that's a way that the city council can really support um the school system, because if kids can't get to school safely mm-hmm. um, and a lot of kids are asked to get there on their own, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have um, the ability to be driven to the front door, nor do we really want, you know, 800 parents dropping their kids right. off at school, right? So <laughs> That's how fights start. Mutual ben- mutually beneficial. So um, I think from that point of view, but also anything we can do as a city to work together with Tacoma Public Schools to support kids and parents um, and and teachers to make sure that, that kids are getting what they need in schools, anything that we can do, um, I think, is good for the community, right? If your agencies are working together and then working together with Metro Parks as well. Um, and I know, you know, Tacoma has some of the coolest collaborate collaboration projects in the country, I think. Um, you know, Sammy out at the zoo. I mean, mm-hmm. what an amazing place to go to school. Um, we we um, work with SOTA students all the time downtown. Um, so collaborations like that, whenever your agencies are working together, it's good for your taxpayer dollars. So mm-hmm. um, uh, like I said, when I started talking about education, I want to make sure that I know, you know, that I know I'm not the, um, the school board, mm-hmm. but whatever the council can do to support kids and families and then before and after school programs, things like that. I'm a working mom. I have the ability um, to flex my schedule, but the elementary school day, I have elementary school kids, is 9 to 3.30. That mm-hmm. is not a working day. Um, it's not a 9 to 5 working day, but it's also not, you know, it doesn't work if you're working the swing shift. Mm-hmm. Um, we are asking parents to uh, be flexible or unemployed <laughs> to get their kids where they need to go. So I think there are so many things that we can do to support families. Um, are you talking about the uh, the move to switch school times? Oh, gosh. I have not even thought about that. Um, but 
on face value, yes, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it, it matches with my kids. Right. They're they're up early. That'd be great. Um, I don't I don't know anything policy wise on, on that, so I'm not advocating one way or another. But uh, but yeah, I mean things like that where we're where we're thinking through how we support kids and families. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I that I heard recently that I think is so awesome um, is that Metro Parks is doing more of their programs at the schools, so you don't have to be the kind of parent that has time to go pick your kid up at 3.30 and deliver them to the soccer field, they can just go do that right after school. And you can still maintain um, your job um, and your kid can have this great experience. So I think there are great things happening um, around supporting schools. um, And that's education is a a priority for for me for sure, um, both personally and professionally. My parents were teachers too. So um, that's, that's something that's, you know, near and dear. Um, and then last and not least, I think we sort of touched on this um, in a roundabout way with transportation, but I think that uh, making sure that we have great jobs doesn't have to mean that things that it's bad for the environment. I think mm-hmm. having the jobs or the economy and environment conversation together is really important. And I think that we can be a hub for um, great green jobs, um, great uh, living wage jobs. And when we talk about the number of jobs in this city, it doesn't, that's not just like a a static number. It's a, what kind of jobs are those? Who are they for? How can we make sure we're putting Tacomans to work? Mm -hmm. You know, some of these workforce programs that like Sound Transit is doing and trying to train and employ folks here to Mm -hmm. build the things here, um, those things take a long time. So putting those programs into place and and making sure those opportunities are available um, and making sure that we're supporting things like wraparound services so that we're saying, hey, wouldn't you love to go back to school? Yes, but I take care of my parent or my kids, right. you know, making sure that we're, we're um, investing in programs like that. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of great people doing a lot of great work in that area, but prioritizing um, putting Tacomans to work in Tacoma. Um, and it, that Live goes, peers. <laughs> yeah, it goes right back to my uh, um, getting cars off the road and, and easing congestion, right? right? It fits right in. So Absolutely. Yeah. So what are some specifics of green jobs or green industry that you would want to bring here and how mm-hmm. would you do that? I mean, why haven't we gotten there yet? Yeah. So um, I, I'm i not the expert on this. And so working with folks that are, um, mm-hmm. first and foremost, um, I think my role as a council member is to keep bringing it to the surface um, to see what we can do. But uh, we've got a great asset in UW Tacoma. Um, I think there are some good things happening with uh, like Urban Waters is good collaboration between the city and UWT. And there's some good innovation happening there. Um, they it, in my experience, haven't been super public about that, so I don't know what those are. But I, th- I think that the, <laughs> I love that idea, um, and I think um, making sure that um, we. So, for example, the uh, recycling question right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a way we can address that locally? Um, is there a, uh, in my view, there's a there's space in our tide flats that we could. Um, do some things and maybe there's a recycling solution there. And like what? I, you know, um, could we recycle our cardboard here? Mm-hmm. Um, could we recycle our plastic here? Uh, you, know, you hear these stories of people that are making coats out of plastic bottles. Mm-hmm. I don't know the technology of that. I'm not here to say that that we can do that. <laughs> but but what if that like plastic bottle coat making company was here in Tacoma? Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've got space, we've got the 
um, economic driver of being able to ship things in and out of here. Um, why don't we dig into that asset and and make things here? Mm-hmm. So um, again, I don't. I'm not the expert. Um, I know this much about um, solar panels, but you know, there's one company in Washington. It's up in Bellingham. Why not have a second one here? Um, I know there's flats. Sure. I, I don't know how much space <laughs> that was it takes. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, that's totally what I was suggesting. But I don't know how much space it takes mm-hmm. to, to do that. Um, <clears throat> there's been a lot of talk about cross-laminated timber. Could we be producing that here? Um, that, to, in in my, again, limited view, is the next great thing about building in an eco-friendly yeah, that's way. That's more eco-friendly, right? It's like yeah. the LEED certified. <clears throat> yeah. 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 So, you know, I think all of these things... Um, we could be exploring and again, council's role in just high, you know, pushing this question, what are, who are we recruiting? Um, Mm -hmm. What are we making happen here? Why not have the next big innovative thing? Mm -hmm. I think, I think what, uh, what, what we see a lot in Tacoma, especially because we still have kind of this complex of being like the, the little brothers and or sister, um, is that we kind of just take whatever we can get, and that's kind of been the economic development approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe if you're on the council, yeah, you know, moving toward changing that approach instead of just more call centers, more cold storage, which yeah. doesn't actually employ many yeah. humans. Yeah, I absolutely believe in that. And I also, I should probably also give a shout out to my uh, folks in the arts because that that has been a huge economic driver for Tacoma too. And I know mm-hmm. we've gotten some good shout outs lately about being really arts friendly, and there's great. Um, Great people and great organizations that are doing um, really amazing things. I'm so excited about Tacoma Creates, and I think we're going to really see some great things come out of that. And, um, you know, the voters care about the arts and and see the economic value in that. So I think that that's um, a good sign for Tacoma. Absolutely. Um, All right. So... All right. Where should we go next? Uh, So you I just want to touch on you've raised more money than anyone this cycle, except Councilman Connor McCarthy, who's Mm -hmm. basically Pierce County political royalty. Um, So and you're political. You've never run for office before, right? Correct. And so how did you do that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, the number one answer is making phone calls. (laughs) Um, I do think so. I've served on a couple appointed positions over the last few years. I was on the Transportation Commission um, and I serve on the Tacoma 2025 stakeholder group. Um, So that was really kind of what got me excited about um, serving Mm -hmm. uh, for the city. Um, so I feel like being in some of those leadership roles and being in a leadership role at, at Downtown on the Go has allowed me to make connections um, all over the city and in various different sectors, too. And so, um, you know, I don't have a great answer. I put in the work and uh, I made tons of calls. Um, some of that um, support is from endorsements, and I've um, we've gotten a lot of great endorsements on our you campaign. You want to name a couple real quick? Um, yeah. Uh, well, Transportation for Washington is kind of the easy one. Um, really proud to have the Teachers Union, um, SEIU 775, um, the Transit Drivers Union, um, uh, UFCW is the other union on there, um, Planned Parenthood, the Gun Alliance of Washington, all of them have given money in addition to their endorsement. What's and the Gun Alliance? So, uh, this, uh, I think I said that wrong. Washington. Uh, Alliance for Gun Responsibility. Oh, okay. I was so, like, Gun Alliance sounds a little different. <laughs> yes. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> uh, the Washington Alliance for Gun Responsibility. Okay. So um, working to create local 
policies and implementation that support um, responsible gun ownership. Cool. So, um, but yeah, all of those endorsements have come along with some funding as well. And um, yeah, just continuing to make those calls um, and, and um, yeah, I'm honored to have the support of so many people. And even when I initially announced that um, I was going to run, I, you know, friends from previous parts of my life sent in a hundred bucks here and there. So a lot of people are really supportive. The other thing, I don't know if it's a factor, um, but in, uh, I understand that there. Um, now that we have a final decision on the um, Connor's race, there is another uh, female running. But I think people are really excited to see more women on council. Yes. And um, for a long time, I was the only woman running this year. So I think people are excited to get behind that um, and see a working mom. So did Courtney um, Love get second place? Um, that's what I heard somebody okay. say yesterday. I didn't realize so, I'd already done the hand recount, but okay. That's what I heard. Right yeah. on. Right. Five votes or something, 10 votes. I don't know, that's but wild. that's what I heard. Yeah. I <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, and I have had people come up to me and say that. We're so glad to see see a woman running have that voice on council. So right. that, that may have something to do with you it. You were. Yeah, I guess you. if she hadn't gotten through, you'd be the only woman yeah. running. Uh, yeah. This. That Out feels weird. Seats. It's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's and um, you have eight people running. You have two women. You have eight people running. You have two people of color. Right. It's yeah. Pretty not, imbalanced. Not what I was expecting. I wasn't yeah. expecting so few people to run this cycle. Me either. Yeah. Me either. I was shocked that we didn't have a primary. All right. But, yeah. 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 Especially for an open, a completely open seat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so is it is it stressful to to have all that money coming in, all those endorsements, and all that support? Like, is it like, oh god, I got to do all this for all these people? I have to make like all these people happy. Um, yes, but mostly it feels uh, really good to to have the support of the community and have a real wide variety of support mm-hmm. as well. Um, I think. Um, it, yeah, there's a little pressure, <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that. Um, uh, uh, I think I've heard you talk about this with other candidates, too. It's, you know, um, when you have a, a really broad swath of support, you have a really broad swath of support. You, you know, I don't have one industry that mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm all in for this one thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm I, I'm honored. Mo- mostly I'm honored and it, it is is propelling me forward for sure. Cool. So. Um, so you are. OK, so let's talk about a couple hot button issues real quick. Um Thoughts on the liquefied natural gas facility in the Northwest Detention Center? Yeah. Um, so I c- continue to be surprised how much the LNG plant, it's like an individual project, keeps coming up on the, the campaign. But I know oh, people a, are asking about it at the door. Um, not at the doors as much, but in every panel and, mm. and conversation, um, for sure. Um, it, it, you know, it's a it's a hot issue right now for sure. Um, I I feel very strongly that we should be moving away from fossil fuel. Um, but on that particular project, I don't think it's the council's role to switch the process midstream. I think it's our role to rely on the experts on that project. Um, I think it's the city council's role to dig into the vision. So to be working on the sub area plan for the tide flats, um, to work with the community to set up the future of that area so that that looks like what we all collectively want to see. I think that's the role you want the council in. I don't think you want us um, messing around in in individual projects Mm -hmm. or changing anything midstream. Do you, I mean, do you support expanded industrial uses? Like as the interim regulations for the Tide Flats are right now, do you support keeping those as they are where existing heavy industrial and fossil fuel um, businesses are allowed to expand, but no new ones can come? Or what's kind of your take on that? 
Yeah, um, I don't see any reason right now that I would change what has happened so far. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest um, priority is moving through that process. Now that everyone's at the table for the sub-area plan, let's get that process done so that we can um, we can create a vision and a plan for what we want and put that forward. There's too many question marks with the interim, and I get that they're a very valuable tool, and we needed to make that happen. I think I'm not saying that that was ever the wrong thing to do, but there's too many. It's it's taking so long that there's so many questions um, about what will they do next, and that they, I think, I think the council does it every six months now. Right. Um, so it's just it's too much confusion. So let's get the process done. I don't want to rush process. I think it's so, so important that everyone's heard. But now that everyone's at the table, let's get it done mm-hmm. um, so we can stop with the interim regulations and have a set of regulations and move forward. Mm-hmm. And what about the Northwest Detention Center? Oh, yeah. Um, so I feel very strongly that we need to reform our prison system in the United States. I think that there's, I mean, absolutely terrible things happening. And um, we need to, we collectively as a country need to make changes. Um, the I think the council's role on this project is very, very hard to figure out where to dig in. Mm. I, the one thing that I think we should not do is kick the can. I think it is, if we kick it out of our city, um, we've just moved the problem. And what I'm hearing from some of the amazing organizations, nonprofits that are doing work with folks in there, um, Aid Northwest, um, Tacoma Community House, um, the uh, legal services, I'm forgetting their Northwest name right American now. Northwest Rights Project. Yeah, great organizations doing great things. And they have a system and they know how to support people. Mm-hmm. Um, that, is, that is not to say that there aren't terrible things happening that we need to change. But I think um, I, from conversations to date and um, in in meeting with folks, the solution is not to kick it out of Tacoma. Um, and one thing I've heard from multiple people is we can get people on a bus to the airport. We can get people mm-hmm. um, on a bus to um, a place to stay for the night. You know, so there um, we are transit oriented. And I think, um, you know, I guess, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible situation. But I don't think the solution is to to get it out of the city. So watch it. Like, I mean, a lot of people would say just watch it closely. Make sure they're dotting their I's and crossing as, their T's. Yeah, as and, much as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate some of the council members who have to date, you know, tried to um, – work on things where we do make sure that we're really holding their feet to the fire to make sure that there's humane practices there and, mm-hmm. um, you know, doing everything we can. Okay. Um, so you are running to fill a seat being left by Ryan Mello, as we mentioned, uh, what similarities or differences can voters expect if you win? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm going to bring a different perspective. I'm a working mom. <laughs> um, I, you know, have worked in transportation and, and run this nonprofit um, that's worked in collaboration with the city for years. I mean, I think that that's um, the biggest thing is just bringing a new perspective. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I've worked with um, Councilmember Mello on in the last few years, including walkable cities, um, bike lanes, um, supporting transit. So things like that um, I, we certainly align on. Um, and I would say, you know, supporting all people and, and, um, 
uh, supporting our LGBTQ community um, and being, you know, implementing equitable policies. Those are the things that I have worked with Ryan on and I know that um, we do align on. Um, but, you know, you never know what uh, things are going to get thrown your way on council. So, you know, I don't want to at all say that, you know, we're going to be the same on everything. Mm-hmm. So right. um, I'm going to be I'm going to be, be me and bring my perspective and my um, my take on things. So um, but, I, you know, those are the, those are the things I really know that we have worked with, we work together on, and that we do align on. Cool. So you're running against John O'Loughlin. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So why are you the right person for this job as opposed to John? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to having um, a new perspective on the council, bringing um, my my working mom perspective. That's just, you know, my personal take um, or approach to things. And um, having run an organization that's worked closely with the city but has not been the city, um, I think brings a really um, good perspective. I'm not in the weeds on city policy, um, and I, I have a good sense of the players that are out there. Some of the collaboration pieces that I've done regionally on um, trail projects recently have built some of those relationships that are going to be valuable uh, going into the council. So I think that it's really that approach piece and and the um, the relationships and the respect I've built um, from the the community that I'll be able to get things done and um, be collaborative. And you know, once you're on council, you're you're one of one of eight, one of nine mm-hmm. uh, with the mayor. So working together with um, my colleagues um, is is going to be uh, one of my big strengths, and uh, really looking forward to to doing that because you have those relationships. And- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right, last question. Most underrated place to eat in Tacoma? Uh, uh, most underrated. Okay. I I love so many Tacoma restaurants, but I feel like so many are well-known. Um, so I work um, downtown at the corner of 11th and Pacific, and in our building is there's a little tiny place called Penny's Cafe. Um, and um, Penny makes an amazing breakfast sandwich, uh, which I often get, and also great lunch sandwiches. And then she does authentic um uh, handcrafted Korean food. So oh, wow. she's really amazing. And you would never know uh, if you didn't know it was in the building, but everybody on all 11, 12 floors of our building is down there every day. Nice. Um, so she's a she's a well-kept secret. Penny. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, that, that's one I actually haven't heard of before. So oh, awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Christina, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, please email me at candice.rude at gmail.com. That's Candice with an I, dot rude, R-U-U-D, at gmail.com. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rude, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.